contemplate the workings of the inner being. Your eyes are wide open, but are you really seeing? Hi. Hey. This is Cole. This is Ta. This is Mentor, Mentor in, in the, the Mirror, Mirror Podcast. Podcast. We, well, we're still our happy, jovial, joking around selves, but, and something we are here to discuss a bit today is actually around suicide. Yeah, suicide is a, is a pretty serious situation on our planet, and, you know, as a healthcare professional, I've dealt with a lot of suicides in my career, you know, in the time that I worked as a nurse in ERs all over New York City, I managed a lot around suicide. And this uh, this New Year's Eve, uh, a colleague of mine uh, passed away. I mentioned it the other day on uh, one of our previous podcasts that he passed away and uh, I didn't find out how. And now, uh, according to, after some conversations, uh, you know, a guy was 50 years old. From my understanding, he was in excellent health. He died in his sleep. And uh, he had two young kids and a wife, and it's, it was kind of suspect. So, you know, the things are leaning towards suicide. So it's it's uh, another one of my colleagues dead, you know, uh, taking their lives. And, you know, I spoke to this dude uh quite a few times and you know he was a very sweet dude uh, was bullied a lot and in the hospital he was bullied a lot uh, he, was bullied or a lot. Life? he was bullied a lot as a kid and uh you know people th- th- he was a very soft-spoken individual and so people the the the, the colleagues that we worked with kind of kind of bull yeah they kind of bulldozed him and so it was a very challenging situation for him i don't know the dynamics behind it but you know, I watched this guy and, and there was a there was a loneliness factor that I'm very familiar with. And and I've I've had other colleagues commit suicide or attempt to commit suicide. I was in a space where I wanted to kill myself at one point and it's some real shit. You know, it's 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 real and it's frightening and it plagues our planet. And uh, one of the things that I've found, uh, and I speak about this all the time, the the plague of humanity is loneliness and not having people uh, hear you, see you, understand you, or to be able to speak your truth outright. Makes disconnection. People, yeah, it's a disconnection space. If you can't speak your truth outright, and uh, if, if you can't be heard, or people will not hold the space for your truth, is a space of great loneliness. And this is, is where uh, sadness comes from, and sadness moves into depression when it is recycled over and over again. I even feel like uh, loneliness in conjunction or in a crowd of people <clears throat> is harder than if you are alone, say, in the wilderness, because there's still the imagination of connection. Being surrounded by people and feeling disconnected for whatever reason is far lonelier, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, in my observation as well, you could be uh, alone by yourself and still be connected. You know, I've known people to go into the forest and be connected to the trees and be connected to the animals, the plants, the themselves. earth and themselves. Yeah. And they learn a, a method of connection with themselves that they feel very content with. They feel very, very, uh, at peace very with. at peace, very fulfilled and very safe with. And most of the people that I've watched com- commit suicide or uh, have suicidal ideations 
have been around other people, but they have not been able to speak their truth, to be heard, to be seen, or to be physically touched. Um, you know, we recently had a group with, uh, with, with 12 really awesome people. And there was one person in our group that came to me and said, you know, I, I just, I really long for somebody to just touch me. You know, he's around people and people don't get him. And he, he just, uh, you know, I just want to be touched, you know, and we, 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 we look at people every day and, you know, there are the people we walk past, we look down, you know, somebody's crying or somebody looks upset or somebody's angry. We don't ask them how they are. We, we tend to, well, I know, I can't say we, I have in the past, uh, you know, turn the blind eye on people's emotions. And it's something that I don't do anymore. When somebody's emotional, I always check in. If somebody's angry, hey, man, you know, you seem angry, you know, and I open the floor for a conversation. If a person's receptive to it, we have the conversation. I've had a lot of conversations with people who have said to me that it's changed their day, it's changed their life. And, um, you know, when, when they were in a rough spot, you never know when somebody's in a rough spot. Yeah, even the whole <clears throat> idea with everything being, even the idea that suicide is one quick act when we also watch people killing themselves in more painful, slower ways, which honestly is less humane yeah. um, in how someone is treating themselves. This is, I mean, that's the place that I was. That's the path, the road that I was on. That when I took suicide as an option of like killing myself intentionally, um, when I took that off the table, because I didn't want to hurt my family, friends, all of that stuff, because um, after my coma from a drug overdose, it was a solid six years that I wished I didn't wake up from the table. And even as like as young as during Columbine, um, which I don't even remember, I might have been like 11 during Columbine, something like this, 10 maybe. And I would have these imaginations or even with one girl that was killed at Columbine, I remember watching the news and I sat there just crying because I felt like I wish it had been me and that um, everyone talked about how amazing this girl was and how good she was at school. And I remember watching that with this whole idea of why her? Like, why couldn't it have been me? Because I didn't feel like I had any value. I didn't feel like I was important. Uh, I felt very lonely. Uh, and there was a lot going on during that period of time in my life, a lot of um, assaults on my sexuality, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, even so young. And that shifted me into toxic behaviors that were really just putting me on a path of slow, painful suicide. And uh, that's, you know, we've talked about this before, but I got a clear message one day um, in a power plant ceremony that if I didn't change the language and the dialogue that was still in my body, regardless of whether I had decided to not kill myself, um, like through suicide, I was very much, um, in the most painful way possible, slowly killing myself. And the message I got was if you don't do something about this now, you're going to get leukemia because you hate yourself so deeply that you want to kill yourself in the slowest way possible. And it's something to consider even when we judge others that do take their own lives, um, are, you know, are you committing suicide right now? Just a slower, more painful suicide. 
Yeah, and I, and I was in that same space. Uh, I was I was not in the suicide space once. It was twice mm-hmm. in my life that I was in that space, and once where uh, I, I I wanted to to do I wanted to off myself really quickly, and within the same situation, I decided that <clears throat> killing myself slowly and painfully, and this was a subconscious thing, was was what I was doing. So in in a period of six months, I put on forty pounds. And I was eating the worst foods, and I know, and I know how to eat. You know, I was eating the worst foods, putting the most shitty stuff in my body. I was drinking alcohol, and I don't drink. You know, and I was drinking alcohol. I was doing a lot of really, really uh, toxic behavior. I was smoking. I mean, I put on forty pounds in six months. And if you go on my Instagram feed, and it's Tafree T A H F R E E, and you scroll down and look, there's a comparison picture from me from uh, two thousand and eight in 2018 or no no 2006 two, two, and 2016 no, wasn't no, it no was it no it was 2000 i think it was 2008 it was 2008 and 2018 uh 10 year difference and at that in that 2008 picture is where i was where i, where I had finally decided that i was not going to die anymore and i, I decided that i was going to revolutionize my body yet again and I, back into that painful process of of having to do all of this stuff to transform, um, it's 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 what we talk about in our work with people too is tirely tirelessly repeating this painful process to transform, and uh, that that's when I decided that I wasn't going to do this anymore again, and uh, and and yeah, I did yet again break my back after that, but <clears throat> um. I was killing myself with food. I was killing myself with substances. I was killing myself with alcohol. I was killing myself, period, with with the people I was being around. And it was a very toxic situation. So, you know, a slow suicide is just as horrible as a quick suicide. It's just the the quick suicides make us uh, stop in our tracks, yeah. you know. And we are, we are, we're not looking around at the people around us and, and making these observations at what's going on because we're adhering to societal systems we're adhering to the corporate structures the corporatocracy we're adhering to uh, capitalism you know we've got to pay these bills otherwise we don't live and we don't have we don't take the time to stop and look at each other and have these conversations with each other and check in with each other and i'm talking i'm not just talking about the people in your household i'm talking about the people outside of your household other human beings and the people in your household you know oh you're so sad you need to go to a therapist that may not be what the situation is what's going on do you feel connected are we having a check in are we taking a time or are in our emotions so inconvenient that we need to send people to somebody else instead of managing this stuff within our our living spaces well you've said it before that emotions are inconvenient and so if someone's going through a hard time it's like well let's make it somebody else's problem you should go get help mm-hmm. versus uh hey what's going on what do you need and look you may not feel equipped in dealing with someone or certain things or they've gone through or encountered an environmental trauma, you know, situation, experience. And so you feel ill-equipped. That's fine. It's just also acknowledging that are you dismissing people's emotions because it's inconvenient to you in that moment? And people will sit and preach about self-work and we're all connected and love as long as it's convenient. Um, And then, you know, even the other day when I was talking to a girlfriend and she was really in a rough place, she's like, and I reminded her of what she teaches other people. And she said, yeah, but it's really hard right now 
to remember all of that. I said, I know what, that's why I'm here is to help swing you back around. Now is when it matters the most. Yep. Not when it's easy. Like, that's great. That's beautiful. Like, that's wonderful. But it's are you rolling that into when it's not the most convenient, when you haven't gotten as much sleep, when you're in a rush, when you're, you know, not in a position to really hold space for someone, um, are you are you overruled by inconvenience of someone else's emotions because you just don't feel like I can't do this right now? Right. And this is a, this it's a huge, huge issue with people not being able to be be themselves at all times in the, in the moment of now. And we see this a lot with our clients, with uh, people who are or high power entrepreneurs making a lot of money who have been pedestalized. And uh, we see this with celebrities that we've worked with that mm-hmm. have been pedestalized. They are not allowed to be themselves and to have their image uh, tarnished um, because of, you know, social stigmas and their businesses. And so they don't have a place to talk. You know, when you look at people uh, like Kurt Cobain, you know, who, who you know, and, oh, and whatever, any, any of these celebrities that have killed themselves outright or have overdosed, you know, there's there's so many people that are in pain and it's inconvenient for their businesses. It's inconvenient for their 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 uh their record labels. It's inconvenient for the TV shows that they're on if they show how they feel. Look at what look at what they were doing with Britney Spears when when uh she had all that stuff going on and they, you know, they they she shaved her head off and all of this stuff because they were trying to take her kids. They were trying to get this chick to commit suicide. You know, and she was she was in a in a rut, and people who make a lot of money are not exempt from having emotions. They're not, and people who don't make money are not exempt from having emotions. We all have emotions. We all are human beings. No matter how much money you make, no matter what you do, no matter where you live, we are all human beings. And for our emotions to be thrown by the wayside because they're inconvenient is bullshit in my in, in my opinion. And this is something that I've watched people go down the slope and off the edge of the cliff because people are because their emotions are inconvenient. We cannot manage somebody's depression in fifty minute increments once, once a, a week. once a week <clears throat> in a fucking not. therapist's office. It's just not going to happen. And and this is where family situations come in. This is where creating a team around your life. Like you you like your friend that you were talking about. You're there when she gets into that space to swing her back around. You're part of her life team. This is part of creating a team of people around you who can swing you back around and who are going to be like, you know what? I got to put, put the brakes on everything else because this person needs it. You know, uh, in, in August, I flew I flew to another state to be with a friend who was in a really, really terrible place. And I spent three days with this dude. I stopped everything that I was doing. Yeah. I, it, I didn't. He didn't pay me shit. I didn't ask for money. I went out there because he was in a space that he needed some fucking help. Yeah, we didn't no, even question that. No question. And look, to book a trip last minute, you know, for the next morning, it's not just the drop of a bucket, you know, a drop in the bucket type scenario. But that's what I think people really don't understand. When we say we're about this work, we're really about this work, about what we do, about being there for people in the, to the greatest capacity we can be. And again, not that that doesn't fluctuate. Um, and that's also why we charge what we charge, because that puts us in a position where if someone's really in a situation where they're in they're in that make or break point, 
you know, that could be the end if they don't get pulled out of that uh, cycle. Yeah. We don't see it as a intervention. We see it as a connection. Yeah. That unless we get there proximal to them to really dig down, throw our heels down in the sand and kind of like pull the reins back, like, bruh, hold on. You know what I mean? Like, what do you need? Let's talk. I'm here. And if, you know, our schedule used to be so full that even if we wanted to do something like that, we couldn't. couldn't. And that's why, you know, when people would be like, oh man, you know, you guys, you know, you guys charge too much. You charge too much. And it's like the only way that we can fully be present for when those kinds of situations happen is to have more flexibility in our schedule. And resources. And and resources for sure. Because last minute ticket to drop a thousand bucks, right, for three days to pop out, like, it's a no-brainer, you know, it's not even a consideration as far as not doing it. But there was a time that there was no way that would have been an option. Yeah. You know, like we couldn't, we could not have uh, pulled it together that last minute. Yeah. And if, you, you know, if you're in the space of caring for people and, and you're struggling to get by mm-hmm. and you want to be able to have the space to really, really get in and care with people, care for people. And I'm talking to all these entrepreneurs out there who are listening to this podcast and the people who are not entrepreneurs, people who care for people. If you're an entrepreneur and your business is about people and you are not charging enough to make sure that your lifestyle is equipped for you to be able to, 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 to at the drop of a hat go and help somebody, it's time to up where you're charging people because the world and the people that you're fortifying need to fortify your lifestyle so that you can fortify people, period. Be that a person that's on your client roster or a friend or somebody in need or a fan that you need to go see, whatever it is, to be able to do that is really, really important. And, you know, you're not going to always be able to do it, but to be able to to to, to extend that is sure makes super a big important. Difference. It makes a big difference in people's lives. And, Huge. you know, just swinging it back around to just to this whole, this whole, uh, how high suicide rates are. You know, I, I grew up in Utah. Teen suicide is really high there. And looking at this epidemic, right? And not only the epidemic of people doing a quick suicide, but the ones that are doing a slow suicide. Mm. When you look at how our... Our technology has advanced so much, but so is our d- disease. Yep. Um, and we can't blame that solely on technology, right? It's like when you look at the fact of how many people um, are morbidly obese, really overweight, and malnutri- like malnourished mm-hmm. uh, because the, there's only caloric density and no nutritional value in what they're eating and foods that literally turn off the receptors in your body that tell you that you're full. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they're designed to do. Yeah. And not only that, those chemicals fortify the hormone release that makes you feel like you don't have connection to anything right. except for the flavors that have been chemically engineered in the foods. Right. And that's all you can connect And to. that's all you can connect to, um, you know, or the feeling of alcohol, that, like there is a feeling with alcohol when excessive amounts right happen that causes your body to slow down so much that there there is or at least in my experience has been um the way that it pulls me down actually pulls me down emotionally uh, in how i feel not just physiologically but how it chemically creates feelings of sadness and feeling like shit. If you feel like shit 
physically, if you're in a lot of physical pain, it's only a matter of time until it will shift your mindset into that pain and that suffering or vice versa. If there's a lot of emotional pain, it becomes a physiological response in the diet, the food that it craves, the people it will put you around. Um, There is a cycle that gets created. And that's why when we see someone is stuck in that loop, the only way out is to break the loop. We have to get someone out of the loop or out of their environment long enough to be able to shift the habitual patterns, not just telling someone to stop it, not just telling someone stop abusing substances or you have to stop drinking. That's a piece of it, but it's still not stopping the loop. Right. You're, you're depending on them to stay uh, strong in willpower and everyone loses willpower at some point. At some point. And and it's really important to, and, and thank you for bringing that up, and to swing it back around to the stuff that we were talking about as far uh, a few episodes back, the three points of ease, right? All emotions lead you back to the three points of ease, uh, safety, connection, and fulfillment. And so when you get into that space of sadness, right, you, you're not being fulfilled. Something's not being fulfilled. There's an emptiness there. So to fulfill yourself with substance, right? Uh, to fulfill yourself with cigarettes or alcohol food. or food or yep. whatever it is to fulfill yourself. It can be video games. And, it can be anything. And to connect with those substances, those feelings and stuff it can become a habitual pattern. And that habitual pattern takes the sadness and makes it into a loop. And that loop is what we call depression. So it's, are you being fulfilled? Are you safe? And are you connected? Are you, do you have those three things? And, and sadness we've found with the people that we work with and with ourselves is the absence of some sort of connection. Mm-hmm. And when you are constantly trying to fill that connection and you have to get food over and over again to fill that connection, to connect with the feeling, to connect with the sensation. Or having to drink every time you go out with your friends. To, to fulfill the sensation mm-hmm. is, is, is a, a, a dysfunctional habitual pattern that fortifies depression and fortifies uh fortifies a detrimental physiological state so these things are driven by by how we interact with each other or don't interact with each other and how we interact with ourselves and whether we know or not how to manage our own emotions and where they're going so you know this this suicide thing is is a it's it's a big deal and it's been plaguing our world for a long time and it hasn't gone away and we've we've had how many maybe 15 people that we've been uh, either directly connected to oh, or I have, I have more than that if you include substance overdose in the last 6 months in oh okay yeah well in, in the last in the last year in, in 2019 year, yeah. it's got to be 40 50 people man and that's not including attempted slash um psychotic break slash mm-hmm. you know hospitalizations yeah yeah so i mean we're talking about and that's just us and when you consider that there are seven and a half almost eight billion people on this planet um everybody knows somebody that's connected to somebody who's either tried to connect commit suicide or has successfully done it or who is slowly committing suicide so this is some real real shit and you know i know we 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 are here with you and for you and the person that can tell you the the greatest things about yourself and give you the most insight into yourself is in the mirror and that person will not lie to you that body when you look at that body, it will not lie to you. And that person's going to follow you everywhere you go. Everywhere. And when you when you trust your body to, to tell you what to lean into or lean away from and you listen to it, it can really guide you into spaces that you never thought possible. And if you need help with that, we're here. 
There's also, you know, the the whole perspective that it may require you leaving your entire environment in order to really figure out what you believe, what you want, um, because quite often we have people go through a big transformation, go back into their environment, and it's back to the same old shit because the body goes back to the path of least resistance according to the habits and patterns. So if someone in your environment triggers you back into, say, just a position of disempowerment or they're condescending, your body will go back to the feelings, start reproducing those hormones again, you'll crave those foods, and you're back in, you're back in the loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we'll get into that a bit more in another episode, but really asking yourself, if you were to look in the mirror, are you killing yourself? Am I committing a slow suicide with my choices, my environment, the people I choose to uh, continue to, you know, keep close to me? Not all relations. It's not about cutting people out. It's acknowledging that sometimes you might have to remove yourself or distance yourself while you get on solid ground. You know, it's like trying to save someone in quicksand. If you're trying to get into the sand pit with them or you're afraid to leave that behind, you're going to drown too. Yeah. And how do you get support in moving away from the things that are dysfunctional? Can you find somebody that you trust? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't have to be somebody in your blood family or your kin. This it usually be, isn't. And, and you know, most of us, you know, most of my people are not my blood family and my kin. The people that I really connect deeply with are not. And so, you know, the, the societal constructs that, that have you adhering to these situations oh no i need to be around my mother i have to because she's my mom or i have to be around my cousin because it's my blood these these things are are not true in my from my vantage point and there's a lot of pressure to perform that way and i know that can and and if you're listening and this is making your body feel funny it may be because this is holding true for you and there's a construct that's forcing you to stay in a space that is dysfunctional for you can you find the support that you need? This is one of the reasons why we have such a high rate of people running away, you know, teens running away from yeah. home because they're disconnected at home and they're not safe and they're not fulfilled. So they run away, you know, and they do find their tribes, you know, and, they, they, and this is this is part of life. So we, we uh, implore you, we beg you, I beg you, please get in front of that mirror and ask yourself, am I killing myself? You know, do if I need help? you're really being honest with yourself... Um, people will put on the guise of self-love um, and they're confusing self-respect. Self-respect is you can respect what you've been able to do, what you've been able to overcome without love. Um, so really considering and looking at yourself and if I was fully loving myself, would I be adhering to a lot of the behaviors and situations that I currently am? Yeah, and that's a question for you to answer with your own metrics on that because another person could never tell you what self-love is for you that is a relative situation and we find it all the time people come to us i want to love myself more well what does love look like i don't know well then let's craft what love looks like for you let's create it and you can create what that looks like for yourself you have to unbridle your imagination and you may need some help with unbridling your imagination we find this a lot with entrepreneurs we find this a lot with business people they know how to create a business they know how to create all these structures and they do not know how to create an idea of what self-love is what they want to feel like and who they want to be around and it's really important that you stand in front of that mirror and ask yourself do i really want to be with these people do i really want to be in a situation do i really love my business what do I want? How do I want to feel? That is the foundation, how you want to feel. 
So if this is resonating for you, um, we do quarterly meetups, quarterly um, retreats Mm -hmm. that we go deep into really exploring what you're looking to adhere to, ascribe to, create, build, whatever. Um, So if this is really speaking to you, you can go to talkhole.com. You can check out the dates. Um, And as a side note, who it's not for. If you're having suicidal ideations and you don't have support, and you don't have a therapist, you don't have a family member, you don't have a friend you can lean on, this isn't the thing for you right now. You know, step number one is finding some community because you could come spend a whole weekend with us, have some amazing realizations, and then go back to the environment and repeat it. Mm -hmm. Like that's, we've seen it. And, you know, so we're really acknowledging that now that if you are all alone on an island trying to change your entire life, This isn't it yet. Keep listening to podcasts, make actionable steps each week for yourself, stay committed to them, re-identify what relationships are draining you or feeding you, and just take it one step at a time. Um, We're not going anywhere. And so, you know, set your intention that by next year or by fall or whatever, just know that we love you, that we've dug ourselves out with tremendous amounts of support, even though at times it didn't feel like we had any Um, Knowing that there is, you have to find them. You have to look up on Facebook, look at events in your area, look for the people of where other people who love themselves might be so that you can start to see what it looks like if you don't know. So as always, rate, review, subscribe, subscribe, share share this episode with a friend. Maybe there's uh, some big takeaway that you had. Tag us on Instagram. We love to see these takeaways and check in with that mirror. I'm Cole. I'm Ta. Be free. free.